0: Welcome. This is the Sean for Show, where we're building a community of free thinkers, innovators, creators, and entrepreneurs. We are a new generation of leaders and problem solvers who seek to build better communities, a better country, and a better world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sean Sandifer Show. I'm Sean Sandifer, your host, and this is our first episode back of 2022. We had a little bit of a delayed start because the first week of January, I was traveling in Florida, and then I came back from Florida and I started law school again for my final semester of law school at St. Louis University School of Law. And towards the end of that week, I developed a really bad case of strep throat. So I could barely swallow, I could barely eat, could barely drink. It was very painful to swallow, and I actually lost my voice for a few days. So it, it kind of delayed me. Obviously, I wasn't able to record my podcasts that I had planned for the first couple weeks of January. So now we are releasing here towards the end of January now that I have my voice back and, and things are better now, and I can record. And actually, this episode is a bit of a somber one. I recorded it back in the fall with Roy and Kay Dent of Dent Law Offices in Effingham, D-E-N-T. And Roy is the founder of the Dent Law Offices. And then Kay would later become managing partner. And I worked with Roy and Kay. I've known them a long time. I worked with Roy and Kay and mostly Kay during and after my first year of law school that summer, and then actually off and on through my second year of law school. So this would be about May of 2020 until May of 2021. And that was my first law job. My job as a law clerk, and I worked on matters such as estate planning, asset protection, trust administration, financial planning, all that kind of stuff. A little bit of little side things like guardianships, and then some elder law. So Medicare, Medicaid, long-term care planning, things like that. But this episode actually is not about law. This episode is about a very personal diagnosis that Roy had. And uh, unfortunately, around the time that I was at the law office, Roy was diagnosed with early onset dementia in his early 50s. And so today, in this interview for the first time, Roy and Kay share their story at length and how they came to notice some behavioral changes in Roy. Um, Kay especially is the one who would notice that. And they talk about that and share their story and how that's affected them personally and obviously professionally as well as Roy is no longer practicing law. Roy is a funny person. He's a very intelligent person. He has his good days and his bad days with, with the disease, and they'll talk about that, but it's a very insightful story. I hope you find it informative and also interesting, and so Roy and Kay will do talk very candidly about the early onset dementia diagnosis that that Roy had. So without any more from me, here is my interview with Roy and Kay.
1: Oh my goodness. Thanks, Sean, for having us here. It's important so I want to raise awareness of this. I'm now retired from the practice of law, but I want to spend the rest of my time raising awareness of something that really wasn't even on my radar. About a year ago, I was diagnosed with something called frontotemporal dementia, and it's a rare form of dementia. Dementia is really an umbrella of different disorders. You know, you're, Dementia that may hit people age-related in their 70s. It could also be known as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Lewy bodies, uh, Pick's disease, it's sort kind of an old-timey name for it. There's well, all kinds kind of things. Pick's disease is what you have, It actually, really is. It's sort of an old-timey name. Yeah. And it was something that is relatively rare in my case because it's early onset. Right. I'm 52 years old. I was diagnosed a year ago with it. And it's something that is, by their standards, they say it's one out of like one and a half, 1.5 people out of a million mm-hmm. have frontal temporal dementia. Mm-hmm. So doing some quick math in the country, that's about 52,500. Mm-hmm. So
0: it's kind of a rare number of the population that might have. So it's fifty-two thousand five hundred in the United States. Is yes, is the estimate of mm-hmm. people have this early onset form of yeah, it. Yeah, if
1: you believe the numbers coming out of Oxford or University of Massachusetts General Hospital or some of the other schools mm-hmm.
0: that are doing research in this, that's usually the number they agree on. Right, right. And what's so difficult about it? Not that dementia's ever easy, but it's 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 the age. And yeah, and it's the, it's that factor that really makes it difficult, especially when you're in, in the midst with you are as busy and, and practicing law. Tell us a little bit more about the early onset and how that differs from when it affects you later in life. Well, it's it's troubling for two things. One thing is
1: in your fifties, you're kind of in the red zone of your career. And I know on your podcast you talk to a, about a lot of people of you're getting into your career. Right. How do you get into your career? How do you find your niche? How do you how do you work it? And the idea is in your fifties, you've got another good twenty years left in you. Yeah. And of hustling and, and creating a succession plan and selling your business and it's really cut short when all of a sudden you get that that diagnosis. The other troubling thing is with this is it's really hard to diagnose. Mm-hmm. the other thing they number they agree on is it takes about three years on average if they ever get a diagnosis I think a lot of people die with this and don't even know uh, yeah I mean really and, and, and you
2: know. really something I want to point out is that you know Roy and I don't say this just because he's my husband because I know a lot of people agree with me he is one of the smartest human beings you'll ever meet he's yeah. a very very intelligent guy which makes it even harder to diagnose because he's kind of wily about it, and I would say something right. was wrong, and she oh, my wife's just nuts, there's nothing yeah. wrong with me. Well, yeah. And there clearly was, because there were behavioral
1: changes. And there you is. can hear and that. And
0: my personality is eccentric, and knows a lot yeah. of fun facts, and so yes. you say, how do you know? Well, yeah and, yeah, and
1: the thing about it, and one of the big things about this type of dementia is that the people who have it have a low self-awareness mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. have it. Mm-hmm. So they will say... I'm okay. You're crazy. I'm okay. Everybody else is wrong. And that is one of the hallmarks of frontal temporal dementia. So was that of, your experience,
0: Kay?
2: Yeah, and and, and yeah. really remember that the frontal lobe it means literally the front of your brain, and that's that's remember where all your judgment is and yeah. your empathy and these things that you develop as you get into adulthood. Yeah. And for they say that that doesn't really fully develop in most people until you're around 25, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as, a, as an attorney to be. Um, soon, Yeah, very yes. soon. <laughs> we're very happy. Yeah. Um, one of the arguments in criminal law is that people under that age shouldn't be yeah. um, prosecuted for certain crimes or shouldn't be held to life sentences because their judgment isn't fully developed. So right. they don't have the culpability and um of course we haven't gotten to that point in this country but there are arguments consistently being made well roy's developing the reverse of that so mm. what he's developed over the years is just progressively degenerating his neurons and that part of his brain are degenerating let's
0: get into that what mm-hmm. it, let's talk about the specific diagnosis itself so what's the name of the, the official name oh, of the de- form of dementia frontotemporal dementia meaning your frontal and your temporal lobes of your brain mm-hmm. in the front okay so personality judgment was there a name for that? Was it was there an actual name for um, the disease? His,
2: the old-fashioned name for his variant, because if, just like dementia is an umbrella for a lot of different dementias, right, right. Um, his is called co- more colloquially or originally Pick's disease Pick's because disease. a Pick was the doctor who identified it and narrowed it down. And yeah. there are two primary variants with FTD. And we're by no means doctors or, or experts, but we've obviously invested some time. Lived it, yeah. Yeah, and lived it. Um, You have the, I think it's um, called like the primary aphasia version, which is where your language is more affected. Mm -hmm. So it presents more like typical dementia and then there's the behavioral variant, or or used to be called Pick's disease, and, and sometimes still is, right. and that's the be, that's what Roy has. But Roy, but then, I was
0: gonna give you the chance to talk, what's well, happening up there? What's, well, you know, to, what, your, to your knowledge? And actually, if I can jump back,
1: okay. uh, FTD really, we got say called FTD, uh, has really like three different flavors. Mm-hmm. One flavor is the behavioral variant, which is the one I have. Mm-hmm. One is the semantic one, language, where people have just trouble finding the words for things. And the third one is sort of a motor skill one, sort of like ALS. That's the aphasia, yeah. And so you really have three flavors. I have the behavioral variant. So what you started seeing happening probably, I don't know, not a couple years ago, like 19, is a lack of just apathy or lack of motivation. And sometimes people have, I had... Uh, one video I watched, I think it was out of the University of Texas, said that the frontal lobe is your get up and go. Mm-hmm. And that was the best way to describe it. So to coin aerospace, when your get up and go is got up and went, that when you have that problem, you just don't want to do anything. So you would find yourself, or I would find myself, just kind of getting started in the day saying, I don't know where to begin. Yeah. And I was a machine before. I got a whole wall full of certificates. Mm-hmm. And I would work 14 to 16 hour days and I would move big stacks of piles of work. And then I would start off the morning. Now, when I started having this, just saying like, I don't know where to begin. You don't even know where to start.
0: Yeah. Overwhelmed?
1: Yeah. Feeling overwhelmed? Yeah. Almost really. I think that's probably the best way to look at it is like, where do I begin? So you'd mm-hmm. almost have to get a running leap into your day.
0: hmm Mm -hmm.
1: to do that also be things like at the house
2: well I I, that we used to I mean we we um, about eight and a half years ago we bought a house out by the lake Um, we have we're on a nice neighborhood lake it was kind of you know almost our dream house really thought this is this is where we're gonna be yeah Um, other than possibly a second retirement home at some point it was really our partnership and this was our, our joint dream and we were constantly working on it. I'm a very Midwestern girl. I like to do my own painting and tinker around. And Roy, my Los Angeles boy, would humor me. <laughs> but he, we would you know, routinely get up same time every day, be up and at him by, you by know, six or seven on the weekends. And it started to be on the weekends where he's like, I'm not going to do busy work. And I was like, well, the lawn needs to be mowed. And he'd say, yeah, busy work. Well, mowing your lawn isn't busy work. It's adult responsibility. Uh, but he became yeah. apathetic to it and resistant to it and that was that was really strange and he also didn't have that get up and go this is a guy who routinely would get up between five and six in the morning and get his coffee and get going and then i was like dragging him out of bed
0: yeah so What, what other behavioral i mean that some those are some examples but what other behavioral signs did you notice both and you either yeah, yourself, Roy, or really. Oh,
2: he, um, he yeah. really lost his filter. He started calling me horrible names because I, I do want to say um, my husband, you know, yeah. Roy was like my knight in shining armor. He truly was my soulmate. Um, and I shouldn't say, but you're still here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'm not he, dead he, yet. He, right. Uh. Um, but he... Um, <laughs> we we truly were like soulmates and he was always so kind and loving to me and then he started getting mean and he mm-hmm. even got violent
1: and and that is one of the other signs is i you would lose people have this lose their societal filter so where you might put up with nonsense the normal inconveniences of somebody screwing up your order mm-hmm. in a restaurant mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, you you going that one. I, I would turn into Gordon Ramsay, so I often yeah. wonder if he may be as misdiagnosed.
2: I kept saying something's wrong. Well, you, you That's did. what happened. Well, you, you did. Yeah, and but, finally, I called, um, because getting into a neurologist in our neck of the woods is really, really hard. Yes. First of all, there aren't a lot of them right. that I've booked up for months, and I, I mean, I felt like I was in danger because of his behavior. I'll be very honest, and I'm, and it's not, you know, it's not personal because it's a disease, um, it was so erratic. It, it, yes. Oh, yeah. and, my, and it was every day I didn't know what was going to happen. And finally we got a PET scan a year ago. It was like a, just That's a little really over a That's really the year
1: real ago. way. I, and I could jump at this point. How, how Once you get to a neurologist, mm-hmm. then they say, okay, fine, we give up. Go do a PET scan. Mm-hmm. And a PET scan is essentially a CAT scan x-ray of your brain, but with... Contrast. Yeah, irradiated sugar water.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what they do is they put you in a dark room. They give you an IV of sugar water. They told you to sit still for forty-five minutes to let it work through your body. Then they lead you down a hall and they put you in a tube, and then they they check you out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what really narrowed it down for us. Is mm-hmm. then they were able to truly see that. And what did they What did they see? Abnormal brain function. What they can mm-hmm. do is they know after after nuking enough brains, they know what normal brains look like, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that they know what an abnormal brain looks like. And mm-hmm.
2: not just any abnormal brain, but they know what an FTD brain looks like. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's defin- we do not have a working diagnosis or just a diagnosis of we don't know what else it could be. We have a definitive diagnosis yeah. in his case, which yeah. is very it's it's very sad. It was the last thing we wanted to hear, but at the same time, we know what it is. And we know what we have to do. And what do they
0: say? What do the doctors say to you when they tell you <laughs> you have FTD? You <laughs> You're have right. Because we,
2: cause we yeah. came to him saying, you know, we don't want to be those patients yeah. who Google everything, but we want you to know that we've we've kept records. We've we've you know, yeah. we have some. He has some very specific symptoms, and we went down the list. And he said, "Boy, that sounds like FTD." And of course, we're two attorneys coming. We're not, you know, we're yeah. able to express this pretty right. darn well. And I right. don't, I don't mean to say that in a in a arrogant way right but but the fact of the matter is is we were able to lay out our case basically right. before the doctor and concisely and not waste yeah. his time and he said boy it checks all the boxes let's look at that that wouldn't hurt
1: and, and that helps speed up the process yeah. and the thing about yeah. it is this is so new the research is so undone for lack of a better word unfinished that they just don't know they give you these numbers and they say well you may have five to seven years left to live from diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But we know somebody who lived longer than that. They say that the average, the only rule is there are no rules. That now we have a definitive diagnosis. All you can do is follow good safe practices. And one practice is to take medication. And there's medication you could take to slow the decline of your cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. There's also, uh, medication you could take as a mood stabilizer to keep you from becoming irritated and that's mm-hmm. crucial because really to, to describe what happens when I have an event is I become the Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. I get set off I become uncharacteristically by, by ridiculous violent, things by ridiculous and yeah. you never know when it's going to be set off so if you're around me you are on work, walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Type A person who's mm-hmm. not used to being told what to do, you're gonna. It's very difficult for you mm-hmm. to, to to deal with that. And I'd be set off, and then I'll go sleep it off, mm-hmm. and then I'll wake up, and then I'll act like nothing happened because I'm not really gonna have any
0: really you know recollection. So of what it's happened. it's not curable. Oh, no, Not, it's oh, a, a, it's far from it. Degenerative, progressive. But you can, slow, down. It down can slow it down through medication. How about brain yeah. stimulation? Is there anything you can do to exercise your brain Oh yes, improve it? Uh,
1: there are some things you can do that are considered mm-hmm. therapeutic. And it's none of this stuff is going to reverse it. But you can do things such as binaural beats. And these are all things that are meant to be stress-relieving. For instance, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with binaural beats. But the idea is that they will send one frequency through your ear and send another frequency slightly different through the other ear and that the differential between them is a certain frequency. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that that differential will match a certain brain wave Mm -hmm. to try and train your brain to work towards those brain waves. Mm -hmm. So your slower brain waves like your delta and beta waves around 5 to 10 hertz are more calming around 10 to 20 hertz of your alpha Mm -hmm. waves are more of your just i'm okay Mm -hmm. and then you have higher waves of gamma waves which are meant to stimulate thinking and that's more your 30 hertz so there are software apps there's even youtube videos you can plug your phone into plug headphones into a laptop Mm -hmm. and do that i find that therapeutic but i find i found the most therapeutic thing was quitting my job
0: let's talk about that <laughs> how, how did how did this affect your law practice when you heard this oh what what did goodness. you think and what what your head and what did you have to what steps did you have to implement well I,
2: I i wanted because i was already the managing partner she's already
0: running the firm
1: yeah because uh, he, he i, I think... knew something was wrong with me so in 2019 i turned over the firm lock of stock and burrow well,
2: christmas of, christmas of 2019 the end yeah. of the year I, okay. I
1: created the firm in 2017 And I turned over to her in 2019 because I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew something was wrong. And it was a struggle for me to practice law and do the day-to-day management. Right. I I knew my limitations. And Dirty Harry said, a man's got to know his limitations. And I knew mine. Mm -hmm. So that was my Christmas present to Kay as I turned over the firm to her because I knew I just couldn't hack it anymore. And this was... Uh, close
0: to a year before the diagnosis. yeah, pretty much like ten yeah. months before the diagnosis. Yeah. yeah,
2: he um he I was noticing his stamina wasn't the same, but we were we're getting older. We we're fifty one and fifty two years old. We're not we're not kids yeah. anymore. So that and that could just be our ages. So, I, but I'm not having the same stamina issues. I was here till midnight two two nights this week. I'm right. still rolling along. Right. And he yeah. um he was getting irritable on a pretty consistent basis where he used to have more patience. Um, He was making irrational comments to people um, and wasn't juggling things as well. I was getting phone calls from other attorneys saying, hey, I'm trying to reach Troy. I just getting them on my cell phone. And I said, I'm his, you know, and and, and this gets, when you're a woman practicing law, this gets kind of offensive because I say, you realize I'm his law partner, not his receptionist. Right, right. And they say, yeah, but he hasn't, I've been calling him for two weeks and he hasn't returned my call and we've got this deadline so there were there were a lot of just little things that piled uh-huh. up to say roy isn't himself mm-hmm. what's what's going on here yeah. and you know he you can tell from talking to him that cognitively he's still intact we yeah. we notice just the littlest things here and there so could technically yeah you can say no he yeah. seems smart he could practice law but it's, it's the behavioral, it's the stamina, it's the stress response, even with medication.
0: And some days are worse than others, sometimes Very are worse than so. Oh, well,
1: that, that's one of the other things, too, is one of the skills, and I'm sure you've already seen this as, as a soon-to-be attorney, mm-hmm. is the ability to shift gears. That is something an attorney must be able to do. Mm-hmm. So you're working on a project for 10 minutes, now you've got to put it down, and you've got to put out another fire. Right. And you now have you to make those staff decisions. And you do that.
2: Yeah, your 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 assistant calls and says, hey, I think you were waiting for this call. Do you want to talk to so-and-so? Or should I have set an appointment? Mm-hmm. I won't call back. And you got to decide right then, do I pivot? What's important
0: right now. Right, yeah. right. And, and, became, and your whole
2: day is yeah. just pivoting and, and making decisions. It became harder decisions. and harder for
1: me to do. It became mm-hmm. harder and harder to do and became more and more of a challenge when before it wasn't. And I think biggest thing of, of quitting, the hardest thing, I think your big question is what was the hardest part of quitting, is... Mm-hmm. Being an attorney was such an identity, part of my identity, Mm -hmm. that I practiced bankruptcy and tax law in, well, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana, but primarily in Illinois, Mm -hmm. in like a 40-county area. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't go in a Walmart in 40 counties without being spotted and having people come up to me and wave at me using all of their fingers. So it was a really rewarding situation to <laughs> to have people that appreciated you know, like <laughs> that they, they appreciated that and to have that validation right and to do that and to solve problems and and
0: when you help are- people. And then I'm no longer able to do that. When you were diagnosed, mm-hmm. you had no choice, right? It was an instant. You well, knew at that point. Actually, no, 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 actually we made the
1: choice it's the right thing to do. Because I, I could rattle off the names of three or four attorneys that stayed on past their right. prime. But and,
2: I, my thing as managing partner, his behavior was becoming so erratic that I was, my practice was starting to suffer because yeah. every day I was having to jump in and put out a fire for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Roy, walk, walk us through the... Some, some more understanding of the prognosis. I mean, what, what is the, the general, I know there are no rules, you said that earlier, but what is the general timeline that you may start to see more increased symptoms? You know, the only rules are no rules. I, I've, I've heard two
1: different theories. One theory is that there is a gradual decline. I've also heard that there's drops, that there are plateaus where somebody may mm-hmm. be okay and then something happens to them and they drop down to another level.
2: And we we already know that that you 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 changed pretty suddenly. Your your changes were not that gradual, um, in initially. And then he's kind of been and and again one of the 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 reason that he doesn't practice anymore is because his behavior was so erratic. So one day he might be able to do a full eight hours, ten hours, and be fine. And then the next day, two hours into it, he's having a meltdown, and I'm having to drive around town and find him, or he's you know saying things he shouldn't say to the staff or to clients and then there are days when he after four hours of practice he's back in the back napping on his on his reclining chair so it you know it it really can't this was very different and and this seemed to happen just overnight
1: Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating the only thing you can do is you take the medication to reduce stress and you reduce stress around you so if there's people or things that are stressful you eliminate them and that's about all you can do
0: at this point at, at this point yeah. that's all you what can about do prevention anymore. I mean are there things you could have, you could have, you could have done to prevent you know, this we, we really, no, this is a
1: good question they, they really don't know of mm-hmm. frontal temporal dementia 40% of the cases are genetic mm-hmm. and they figured out there's three genetic markers they look at and I went through a study that eliminated one of the three genetic markers. Mm -hmm. So it's quite possible that I have the genetic cause from the other two, but we don't know. Now of those, they're looking at things like traumatic brain injury, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is they just don't know. They're so new into the the research Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they really don't know. He,
2: He is, Roy is an only child of an only child on his dad's side. And his mother only had one much older sibling, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have a lot of family. But we've talked to his one surviving cousin, um, very lovely Joni, um, who says, as far as she's knows, there's no evidence that anybody in the family had this. Yeah. So we're, that's why...
0: So we're kind of ruling out genetic. Uh,
1: I think I am. We, I, I really think I am. Um, yeah. I, I think it, it had to come down, and, and I think they're going to find that a lot of this stuff, and I already found like 60% of it is probably other mm-hmm. stuff causing it. Mm-hmm. And I think I fall into the other stuff category.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But there, there is nothing, I mean, there's nothing you can do about dementia right now. And that's why a lot of money and effort is being poured into research because we've got this, um, you know, increasing numbers of people getting diagnosed. And it- Other than
0: there is medicines where you can keep your brain stimulated, but of course you were doing that, Roy, with... Yeah. With
1: yeah. your practice. And, right. and and also well in all well the problem was it wasn't really stimulating, I was antagonizing it. Because when you're sitting here and you're constantly putting out fires, in one respect I'm stimulating my brain by by pondering the brittles of bankruptcy and tax law. I'm putting out fires all day long. So in one respect practicing law, I was antagonizing the problem, I was pouring gasoline on a fire, then I was stimulating it. But they're, what they're looking at now is therapeutics, and uh, there's a university study going on that looks into giving oxytocin as a way of um, stimulating empathy mm-hmm. in people as a way to solve the problem, because one of the hallmarks of frontal temporal dementia is this lack of empathy in people that just develops as part of the disorder. So what they've already figured out is there's a, there's a link between boosting the oxytocin in people and helping them therapeutically. So mm-hmm. now they're at the phase two where the question is, how much do we give somebody? Mm-hmm. So now we're jumping into that trial for that. And I'm glad we can help out with that. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's part of what right. I want to do. The second phase of my life or third phase, who's keeping count, is to try and help out. I want to raise right. awareness of this, and if I can help with medical research, I certainly want to. Mm-hmm. I, I also and it's that,
2: think, I do want to talk about that lack of empathy is is one of the things that we noticed um, without really noticing it. Um, and a oh, lot yeah. of a lot of people, friends, family, people in the community, thought we were just having marital problems. And some people were really really mean about it, which did not help. I'll tell yeah. you, mm-hmm. um, no grace given. And I, and I said, no, this, this man changed. Yeah. There is something wrong here. It's like he stopped caring. Yeah. And this man who was very loving and very caring to me stopped giving a crap, for lack and of a better word. And they just started to yeah. get
1: on a dating site find somebody else you know, or something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I had, I, I, a lot of no my shit. friends said, you just need <laughs> to leave him. You need to leave yeah. a guy like that. This is just awful. And I said, but no, I'm telling you there is something wrong with him. And mm-hmm. one of the things that will happen during his episodes is that he will look like he's having a stroke. The yeah. left side of his body goes numb, his eye droops, his mouth droops, he slurs, yeah. he, he can't walk right. Uh-huh. So I said, there, there is something, and I, and I said early on it was neurological, and, um, but you got the lawyer guy saying, oh, she's crazy, there's nothing wrong with me, and the guy in the suit says that, so there's nothing wrong with yeah. him.
1: And, you know, lawyers um, like have trial experience who can talk themselves out of just about anything. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, somebody says yeah. to you, do you have this problem? And you're saying, oh, no, I'm fine. Right. i mean, You're like this. Is nothing? I talk myself. No, no. Talk myself out of two
0: DUI checkpoints right. after this. Is there a good chance you'll be able to live a fairly normal, cognitively enjoyable life into your sixties? No. Probably not. Although you never know. But probably not. People I have think- lived more than twenty years on this, right?
2: Um, actually, we, we don't know. They they say they say from time of diagnosis, depending on which um, side you look at. Really, American versus UK. They say either like ten to or two to seven or two to ten years. Yeah. From time of diagnosis. We think we got diagnosed pretty early and we do have, we have a yeah. report that says this is exceptional, an exceptionally early diagnosis.
0: What is, how, how are you feeling cognitively now? How do you well, feel fun, on a daily basis? I mean, I mean. Mm-hmm.
1: here's here the thing is I took a full battery of a test out in the Metro East area uh, in early 2021, right? Mm-hmm. January, passed with flying colors that if the, the mm-hmm. PhD gave it to me, didn't know that I had definitive diagnosis he would not have known and i did a big hour and a half battery with him he said he he, he said it was really difficult to notice it Mm -hmm. and so it was caught very very early because i had a lot of people including my wife who had an eye on me who noticed changes in me and this is why i think this is an underdiagnosed problem i think there's more and more people have frontal temporal dementia than are being diagnosed mm-hmm. i got caught because i have a highly intellectual job with people looking at me keeping an eye on me well Instead, and also the
2: the precision with which he was operating when cracks started to show there said, he was he was he's not returning phone calls Or he missed court a couple of
1: times. Yeah. Which was, he'd never done in his career. 20 years, never missed court. Mm -hmm. So there were things like that. So my thing is, you know, we check people for breast cancer. We check people for testicular cancer. Mm -hmm. We check people for colon cancer. And we even have benchmarks Mm -hmm. set out for these tests. Mm -hmm. Even if people don't necessarily show the symptoms of it, we tell people to be aware I think we need to start doing PET scans of people when they turn 45 or 50, regardless of their symptoms or station in life. Because I think we'll start finding that more and more people are showing abnormal frontal temporal lobes. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll get more research out of it. And I think ultimately it'll help everybody. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, I think the jails are full of people with frontal temporal dementia because the type of behavior I yeah. exhibited would, if I didn't have a
0: support system I had, I'd just probably be in jail. Well, I think that could be really mm-hmm. beneficial. Um, before we close and get some final thoughts, maybe from UK, uh, just to just to push a little bit more on, this, on your quality of life right now, do you feel optimistic that you can continue to... In, are you enjoying life? Or do you feel good? I mean, give us a little bit more of an idea for people who may be struggling with this. What can you tell someone who's going through this, or their family members, what to expect, or something similar? I,
2: I'm. I want to speak to this from a law perspective. Is one of the things I did was I planned very well for us. Yeah. And um, a lot of people think, oh, this will never happen to me. I don't need to worry about this till I'm older. I'll worry about this when I retire. Well, when my dad retired um, many moons ago, and he was he was prepping for that, he got his long-term care insurance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he said you know what get it now it'll be cheap for you it'll never be cheaper um, I've done the research here's the policy you need to get and so Roy and I said sure for like 70 bucks a month we'll, we'll get this insurance and we, we went and got it before we got mm-hmm. married yep. um, very early and, and some people said you're way too young to get this and I said well you know what I, I was more worried about myself because I have a history of migraine which technically increases my risk for stroke along with my weight and I thought you know what god forbid something happened to me I don't want everything I've worked for to be gone for my son Mm -hmm. because the the cost of nursing home care is so expensive Mm -hmm. so we got the insurance for for practically nothing and um, you cannot buy the policy we got anymore but um, um, Roy um, lives in assisted living now um, because I can't I can't come to work and worry about what he might be doing at home if he has an episode. Like what if one of the cats, you know, poops on the floor because they do that sometimes, that could set him off. What if the neighbors are building a new garage and the construction's too loud, that can set him off. If the UPS guy leaves the packages by the garage door instead of at the front door, that can set him off. You never know. So I have to worry all day, what's he doing? And then come home and be the caregiver and I can't do that that's not good yeah. for Kay that's gonna Kay had, yeah. Kay had gained back he had lost a bunch of weight and gained all of it back yeah. and was getting sick herself from being the caregiver so you have to worry about caregiver stress you need to get your insurance and if it weren't for that I'd have to worry about coming up with four thousand dollars a month to take care of this guy
1: mm-hmm. yeah, Absolutely, I, I can't it, stress that enough is and this would be a topic for a whole other podcast yeah. with just Kay but
2: but it it, it enhances you your did. quality of life because he is well taken care of yeah. for the rest of his life and even if I pass away that is still there
0: and, we and you're only there the right part, part time you're not living. It, uh, I would he, he's during, there. During,
1: during during the week I would say most of the week and then maybe on the weekend I might come home for a day or so, but the goal is that it's a safe place mm-hmm. where they're going to keep an eye on me. I sit there with my cat. I have my computer. I can big watch TV, TV, big screen TV. And, you know, my wants and needs are met Mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about it. Because remember the thing I said before is reduce stress. Mm -hmm. Well, that not only reduces stress for me, but that reduces stress for Kay because she's got a business to run. Mm -hmm. Because if she's wondering, am I setting fire to the house by deciding to cook chicken nuggets with an open flame (laughs) at two in the afternoon? I mean, Johnny Rotten's wife has uh, Alzheimer's. And Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols, because you know they may be for your time. Mm-hmm. He had two houses just a little bit, just he a little had bit. two houses burned down because his wife set fires while cooking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have a long-term care mm-hmm. strategy in place in those situations. So and, having mm-hmm. long-term yeah. care, having long-term disability, having a succession plan in a business, all of these things are, are crucial things for the quality of life mm-hmm. over and above mm-hmm. just taking your medication.
2: Because with, and like I said, um, it doesn't matter how cognitively intact he is if your behavior isn't controllable and your um, behavior isn't um, isn't consistent, you can't practice law. Mm-hmm. You've gotcha. gotta be, you're on all the time. No. And he was, um, Again, even at home, his behavior isn't consistent, well, yeah. and I was being pulled so many different directions that really, with with the doctors and with with my concerns, we decided no, and and um, that, that was he, he cannot decision. be taken care of at home. And it was a really, really yeah. hard decision, mm-hmm. but it was one of the best decisions we made because a yeah. lot of the, one of the biggest mistakes that attorneys and other professionals make, and we see it a lot in attorneys, is trying to practice beyond their useful life and beyond oh, what absolutely. they can. And that's that's not good for the attorney. That's not good for the client. That's not good for the business. And then um, to you know, we I have these clients because I'm an elder law attorney, and all the clients say, "Oh, I'm going to stay at home as long as I can," but they don't realize that as long as you can, and as long as you should are two different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and you got to look at that should factor it's because wrong. you know you really um, again I felt that I was at risk when when things were really bad. I was at risk from him injuring me and then even after he was on medication to control that um, I was just at risk from the stress and and he, he he was at risk I mean he if he did what if he did burn down the house I can't I can't have that, my kids a put a bit like that
1: no it is it, it was a huge thing to decide that I couldn't practice law anymore it was painful but I knew I couldn't because of the unpredictability of mm-hmm. I'm not I'm gonna have good days I'm gonna have bad days and when you're attorney you can only have good days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't guarantee I'm gonna have a good day today when it's a day that might require you to drive two hours down to court, be in court for twenty minutes, and then drive two hours back up. Well something might set me off down there and you know, am I gonna start swearing at the judge? Never did but you know these are the things you need to consider right
2: he did swear a couple times during his rotary talk <laughs> yeah but I,
1: I don't think anybody yeah. was offended i don't think i no. used any words no. that nobody well, had ever heard before
0: Ro- um roy thank you um for the your courage and sharing the story and kate you as well i want to give you both the opportunity for some cl- closing thoughts or anything else you want to share that we haven't discussed
2: i i just think that it's really really important to be aware and it's kind of like what, what they say at tsa see something say something right, right there are a lot of a lot of times people get complacent and they say oh that's just uncle roy or that's just that's just so and so or that's not a big deal mm-hmm. well a lot of little things can add up to be a very big deal and that's what happened Can't for be. us yeah. yeah um so you know we we feel like we made very responsible decisions Ultimately, when Roy was diagnosed, we thought maybe he would practice a couple more years. He really wanted to, mm-hmm. but yeah. it became, again, the day-to-day thing, he was, having, he was having mostly bad days. And it might be he could practice two hours here and four hours there, but we couldn't get through an entire day.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I set my own out date. And once I set my own out date, the struggle even increased because I knew when my out date was. Yeah. I would say instead of see something, say something, See something, do something. Mm -hmm. If you see a family member that has these symptoms, do not naturally assume it's a midlife crisis, they've taken up alcoholism as a new hobby, Mm -hmm. they're just depressed. I think it's important to find a way to, with your general practitioner, share this information to get a referral to a neurologist Mm -hmm. to get tested. Because I think that's really the key, and we were very fortunate to have you know, a really good network of people that got us the care we needed, mm-hmm. and we were in a position that I think a lot of other people are not in, right? and that ultimately helped us. Mm-hmm. So, see something, do something, because the person who has it, you know, they're not going to know. I mean, I, I, I might have known in my heart of hearts things were off, and I wasn't firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. But I don't think when I was sitting here at this table, and this used to be my old office, that I had frontal temporal dementia. Mm -hmm. I thought I was having a bad morning. I need another cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's really the key. See something do something.
2: And again, also have a plan and have it early on because you don't know when something can happen. If we had, you know, I see a lot of people waiting to put plans into place, waiting to get insurance, waiting to get estate plans done. Coming and until talk to it's Kay. too late. Well, yeah. you know, I did, I did, I did, do very good planning, and, and yeah. this lets yeah. me know that God forbid if I get in a car accident or something and I'm gone or I'm disabled, my husband is still taken care of when he's
0: in a very vulnerable position, yeah. and it
2: does, and that eases my stress tremendously.
0: Peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Okay. Thank you so much. Well thank you. It was great to talk about it. Very I think a very important topic to discuss. Thank you.